We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning, Grinders! Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. You can follow me there on Twitter. Uh, this is the show where we go over a little bit about yesterday's slate, talk a little bit about today's slate. But of course, it's 11 o'clock in the morning, and anything could happen in NBA DFS. So we focus a lot about uh, DFS strategy in general. And I always take questions from the chat room here on YouTube. Uh, I see Kevin Copeland in there. I see uh, Chandler Cannon, Dustin Hogue, Mr. Meat Plow. Mr. Plow, how you doing? Dupocalypse, Jane Hall, Patrick Bush, card fan, first round exit. They know they know what to do first. Hit that thumbs up button, right? The thummy thumbs. I got the, I, I got the mango stuff today, right? I'm out of the regular apple juice. So I'm, I, it's back to the mango apple pack in there. It's a little cold now. And it says apple mango. See, it says apple mango here. But it really tastes like mango. It tastes like mango. And they just like threw in some apple juice just to, I don't know, to supplement it or something like that. So it's really not apple juice. It's like mango juice. But that's fine. Keep the mango juice cold by hitting the thummy thumbs. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live every morning. Uh, uh, yesterday uh, was uh, profitable, profitable for me, mostly in cash. Uh, I, had, I had some decent GPP lineups, but not the, you know, not perfect ones for small field GPPs, but just to keep you apprised on the cash game bankroll tracker, uh, we're doing well. We're, we're not at all time highs, but we're close. We're close. It's very similar to the stock market a little. Right, we're up and up and up and up, up. Oh, we got up over here, and now we're kind of like hovering. So, so you can see right here from yesterday, did well on DraftKings, did well on FanDuel, Yahoo, not so much. Uh, but I mean, we're hovering somewhere like in the past week, hovering around that thirteen thousand dollar range, which is great. I mean, it's a twenty thousand dollar investment, so I mean, we're with sixty percent return from there. So yeah, but still hovering up and down. But you can see, you can see the ebbs and flows, right? Goes up to nine thousand, down to six thousand, up to this. We get a, a good run, right? Two two sweeps in a row. We got a sweep here that got us in, in this range. So here we go. So thirteen thousand, but obviously mostly carried by Fanduel. Positive on Yahoo now. DK, it's holding. It's it's in the rear, but uh, that's the whole purpose of diversification, right? Some days you're going to hit one place. Some days you're not going to hit one place, right? So you diversify it out. Nice 10% daily ROI currently, 13,178 net. And uh, you know, diversification. I see people, I see the, the one guy in our premium discord, okay? Which you can get 
if you're a premium member, right? So sign up, use the link in the description below, get $10 off your first month. Like he just, he barely, he, he, he got right under the cash line on FanDuel. He was like literally like, like 0.1 off the cash line because he was playing the $2 multi-entry GPP, the multi-entry uh, double up on FanDuel, you know, the 150, right? The big, the band says, that's the big, and they put it in a little highlighting and he put 150 entries or 75. I think he put 75 entries into that. None of them cashed, right? He's off by 0.1. As opposed to diversifying by playing head-to-heads, by playing not multi-entry double-ups, playing the playing the 100-man 50-50s, playing the 50-man 50-50s, the 20-man 50-50s, even playing the double-ups that are one, the $2.113 entry double-up. I'm not sure if he would have cashed in, in many of those either, but not it's not going to be zero. You're not going to put in a, you're not going to put in 150 bucks and get back zero. So even in that case, you would have put in 150 bucks and gotten back 40, which over the course of time is, is going to, is going to be more beneficial to you than by uh, putting all your eggs in one basket and then just riding, riding the waves like that. Yes. If he would, if he cashes all the lineups, yes, he truly doubles his money, but as we see, if you diversify, like through all these times in diversifying, you know, 60%, 70%, 85%, 88, 87, 56, 69. Obviously, if you throw it into some like quintuple ups and some single entry GPPs, you can get even over 100. Like on Yahoo, that's what I do there. But you see these numbers are, are rarely like, like here, here's a bad day on draft. Uh, here's a, here's a, like an average, like no, oh, 8%. Oh, you only got 8%. It's like, well, that means I, I didn't cash and a bunch of double ups and like head to heads kind of saved my way to get me a profit, right? You don't get, you don't get as huge swings at the end of the year, at the end of the season, you end up with about the same amount of money, right? By doing it one way or the other way. But do you want to compete in the multi-entry double ups where I could play 150 entries, right? Chipotle Attic could play 150 entries. Squirrel Patrol could play 150 entries just for a cash game. Like, no, you're more likely to find weaker opponents playing single lineups in single entry double up type of contests. I mean, I don't even play those. Okay, just to put things in perspective, I'm playing, you know, tonight it's going to be $3,300 worth of volume in cash across the three sites. I don't play the multi-entry double ups on, on any site, right? I don't play on DraftKings. Uh, they, they, oh, the $5, 150 No, I don't do that. Those are the, those are the toughest contests, right? I'm, I'll spread it out. I'll, I'll ra- I'd rather play a 23-man $5 double up than play any of the multi-entry ones, right? Even if I'm playing against similar opponents, but at least the sharper opponents could only play one entry in double ups. In GPPs, it doesn't matter. People get that, people get that wrong. Oh, I can't play the 150 max, you know, $4 micro millions yesterday because uh, I, I can't play $600 worth of volume. Like it's perfectly fine. Who cares about the names? But when double ups, it's, you're playing trains in double ups. You 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 you, sh- you you want to duplicate in double ups. You don't care about that, right? You want to play the best possible lineup and take as many spots as possible. In GPPs, that's not good because the spots all pay different amounts. First is this, and then it's less, and then it's less, and then it's less. But in a double up, it's like all the spots pay the same. So they're going to be taken up by a lot more sharper players because. They're putting in 150 lineups or something. So I'm avoiding that. I'm, I'm, I'm playing the larger field, 124 man, single entry, right? Head to heads, split it out. If, even if you're going to play the, those sharper players, play, play five instead of a, $100 worth of volume in those contests, play $25 head to heads against the same opponents that would be in there but at least you're, you're, you're getting a linear return that goes along with the score of your lineup. It's very rare that you're going to lose all 20. It's also very rare you're going to win all 20, but it's going to be somewhere in the middle. So if you have a bad lineup, you could stop, still possibly beat some opponents in your head tags. So I know I stress this all the time that if you're a cash player, like you, you should, you should be seeking diversification. Right, you're not. It, you shouldn't be playing cash for upside. Oh, it's all or nothing. 
Like why? Why, why do you need to? I mean, it's very similar to the stock market. You don't put all your eggs into one stock, you diversify. But that's the reason I'm getting, I get returns like I'm getting. Maximizing the content selection for the weakest opponents over ones that aren't, and then diversifying. So I can have days where, yes, you're right, I lost on Yahoo, but I won on DraftKings and FanDuel. Here, I, I, here's a losing day. Here, here, look at look at this losing day on the on the seventh. Lost 31% on DraftKings, lost 83% on Yahoo, won 49% on FanDuel, and look at the difference between the sixth and the seventh. I lost a total of like three bucks, right? Still with like three thousand dollars. Look, look how much well, it was not three thousand. That looks like uh about twenty five hundred dollars worth of volume. Risk twenty five hundred, lost three bucks. Diversifying. If I didn't play on FanDuel that day, that would have been a six hundred dollar loss. Well, that's why you play on all three sites, right? All three sites and diversify from there. So just a little cash game advice. I know I say this all the time. I don't know why. I don't know why I need to. I I don't, I don't know why I need to repeat this stuff. I mean, a lot of times if you watch this show, you've been watching the show for you know five weeks heading into this year, and a lot of times I'm repeating the same exact things. Sometimes I'm repeating the same exact things to the same exact people. And I just don't understand. Can someone tell me? Can someone explain to me how do, how do you not understand? Oh yeah, I get that, but it's too too much work. A lot of times, oh, well, that, that means I have to click through the, yeah, uh, what is your goal? If you're looking to have fun, don't listen to me. Who cares? Go watch some other YouTube video. Go on TikTok, right? Go, go watch, watch some cats dancing. That's perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Have all the fun you want. Me, I'm trying to teach you, teach you how to think like a professional DFS player, just like my course, theoryofdfs.com, 15-hour audio masterclass. But the main the main quote that I have have in there is 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 from David Sklansky. I'll even I'll even show you. Like this this is the to me the most important the most important thing above all above all else. Okay, the quote that I the, the quote that I live by. Okay, it's right over here. He's a famous poker author. When we play, we must realize before anything else that we are out to make money. That should be the that should be the focus. If that's your goal, if your goal isn't that, then don't worry about it. Then have fun, click on buttons, bash your head against the keyboard, do whatever you want. But at the end of the day, I'm doing this to make money. That to me, that's the scoreboard. Not on that, not make money on a specific slate, but make money in general over the course of a year, over the course of five years, over the course of a month, whatever time period. But that's what that's 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 why I say these things. Oh, well, it's not fun to like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put post some head to heads. Like on FanDuel, there's no limiter. Right? If you post a million head to heads, like someone could come on and just take all of them. So the best thing to do in that in that situation, that type of environment, is to post them periodically. Right? Don't post five fifty dollar head to heads, post one. And some so no one can take all of them. Unless you want that. And then when you see it gets taken, you post another one. You go, oh, oh, that means I have to look at it throughout the, oh, oh, is, is that so much work? You, I look at it once every one or two hours, and then I start entering games. And then, okay, an hour or two later, look at it again. Oh, that's too much. If that's too much work, I mean, come on. Then you're, then, then you're not, you're not a buy. When we play, we must, re, we must realize before anything else that we were out to make money. We're trying to find the weakest players we can, Right. We're trying to get as much diverse action as we can with the most amount of opponents. That would be prudent for your investment. So you have to put the work in. How much work is it? Just look. I'll look after the show and go, okay, what double ups opened up on DraftKings? What, you know, what's going on in Yahoo? Click, 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 click. And okay, and then I move on. Then an hour later, I look at it again. If If that's what you need to do in order to get diversification, then that's what you need to do. And then like an hour before lock, half an hour before lock, 10 minutes before lock, you see what's, you know, you get the late comers. And a lot of times the late, the late people tend to be more casual. So you need to fill up some, some more double ups, do it towards the, the, towards the end. Most people are spending so much time on like, what players do I play? And what lineups do I put together? And what blah, blah, blah. 
Do I do this? Do I do a 2v2? And a lot of times, what? It's 11, 11, 11, 15 in the morning. We have no idea what's going to happen by 5.30, right? But that injury report, 6.30, we don't know. So if you're sitting there wondering, oh, should I look into who I'm playing tonight? No, look into your contest selection. I feel like I'm scolding people now. But people ask me these questions all the time. Oh, uh, I look at your cash game, because people say, I, I look at your cash game tracker and I'm playing very similar lineups to you. Sometimes the same exact lineup as me. You're making more money than I am. How is that possible? It's like, well, I'm just doing better contest selection. That, that, at the end of the day, that's it. And it's not like I'm finding some rando at the $500 head-to-heads and that's how I'm doing it. You know, some weird situation. I'm still I'm playing $5, $10 games. You know, $50 head-to-heads is my highest. And I'm spreading it out. But on, on most days on DraftKings, I'm only playing like four $50 head-to-heads. But I'm also playing eight $20 head-to-heads. And I'm playing... 12 to 15 $10 head-to-heads and $25 head-to-heads. I'm still playing against decent players a lot of times there. A lot of times, you know, my games don't take go don't get taken. And then just auto match with whoever. And then I'm just spreading my risk out. So when when your lineup is like close to the line, it's it doesn't mean if it's oh, you're up by one point and you're you're done. Fifteen hundred dollars turns into zero. Or uh, and then 1500 turns into 3000. Like, like why, why do you have to do it that way? Just with contest selection, you could mitigate your risk and still have the same upside in your return over the course of a year. Now, I know a lot of people may not play cash games, but this is, this is what you should be doing, especially at the low stakes. I, at the higher stakes, it's tougher because there's less like weak opponents. But if you're still able to play the one, two dollar, three dollar games, like dude, if you if you're playing a hundred dollars a night in cash, like you could be you could be really picky about the contests that you play. I'm looking to get. I mean, I'm going to be looking to get thirty three hundred dollars worth of cash volume tonight. I I'm going to be picky, but only to a certain extent because I'm not going to be able to get thirty three hundred dollars worth of cash volume in the softest action ever. I'm going to have to move up the ladder, right? If you're looking to get $30,000 worth of cash volume, yeah, you have to be even less. Now you're just pretty much taking everything in order to get to that number. But if you're playing 50 bucks, 100 bucks in cash games, like, dude, you could you could snipe people off. You could st- uh, play this 50-50 instead of that 50-50. You could be really discerning. And I know it sounds like, well, why, why do I have to put that much effort into doing that? Well, over the, over the course of a year, like you could increase your expectation in cash games by doing this by two or 3%. Oh, okay. Well, well, is it worth it for two or 3% playing a hundred dollars? That's what for an extra two or $3. That's I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be so discerning for two or $3. Well, how many slates are you going to play this year? 300, 400. If you count the night slates and showdown slates and whatever, 500, Let's say you play three to 400 and add three bucks to that. That's a thousand dollars at the end of the year. That's a thousand dollars that you just went poof. I'm just going to throw that in the garbage, right? Instead of just like, I'm just going to do what's easiest. I'm just going to open the app. I'm going to go to the website, click, click, click. I'm done. Now it's time to think about lineups. Do you want to make an extra thousand dollars at the end of the year? This is playing a hundred dollars a day. Now imagine you're playing a thousand dollars a day, two or 3%. Right? What's two or three percent? What's two percent of a thousand dollars? Twenty bucks. You play three hundred slates a year. Let's just say that's six thousand dollars. Six thousand dollars. Boof! You boy, you just threw it away for no reason, just to, because you didn't want to do the work. You have to look at the big picture. I feel like I feel like I'm scolding. I'm scolding someone that's not here. Uh, Greg R asks, do the pros who max out the multi-entry cash games really have an edge there? Or are they just trying to get as much volume down as possible? Both. Uh, they have an edge because they're the best cash players anyway. They have the least amount of edge in those contests because they're playing against other sharp players that are also putting in 150 entries into those contests. But they're also trying to get the most volume down as possible. So yeah, they'd rather not have to play that that con. They'd rather get volume as many places, other places that they can. But 
when you if you're playing twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars a night in cash games, like there's, there's only so, there's only so many contests there are. Sean Wesks asks or says, looks like FanDuel accounts for ninety five percent of your ROI. Would you not make more money just playing more on FanDuel? Well, who who says that? There are things called variance. FanDuel by the end of the year could be negative. Like people don't understand like how, how much of a, this is 48 slates, 46 slates, 51 slates. DK may end up being the biggest money producer by the end of the season. It could, right? FanDuel just happens, happens to be going well the first month and a half of the season. Maybe FanDuel, something happens, who knows? But that doesn't mean that you, just go, okay, I'm just going to play on FanDuel because that then you're not diversified anymore. You're at the whim of, of your streaks on FanDuel. But what you can do is rebalance, right? You could rebalance your portfolio. If you believe that, yeah, maybe after 50 or so slates, maybe I have a bigger edge on FanDuel than I do on DraftKings. So I should allocate more. You're right, conceptually. Maybe I should allocate more on FanDuel and less on DraftKings. Doesn't mean it's all in. But you could see that's exactly what I'm doing. Like we saw yesterday, right? I put in about 3100 looks like or so, $3,200 worth of volume. If you see, I'm playing more on, more on FanDuel most nights, right? On the 6th, once... 1475 on FanDuel, 1100 on DraftKings, 560 on Yahoo, right? 1300, 1592, 350. 1255, 1548, 272. Here's 1600 on FanDuel, 1360 on DraftKings, 47 on Yahoo. So you can see I'm, I'm tilting it towards FanDuel. In the beginning, I wasn't. In the beginning, I actually went the other way, right? The other way, I was playing more on DraftKings. Then as the results started tipping towards FanDuel, I started allocating more. Very similar to rebalancing your, your, your stock portfolio, right? You're getting, you're getting gains in one direction, but you have to make sure that you're diversified compared to your risk. And obviously as of right now, I have to assume that my risk on DraftKings is a little higher. My risk on FanDuel is a little lower. So I'm gonna start tilting my allocation towards the lower risk as opposed to before until I see until I see different results. If it's if, if FanDuel and DraftKings starts coming this way, then I then I start allocating that way. But I can't just make a, a, a snap judgment that like, oh, well, I should just be playing all of my volume in FanDuel. Who knows? You can go and sink, you can lose six days in a row. I mean it this doesn't mean anything. 48 slates, 68% win rate, that's unsustainable. Most likely this is going to end somewhere in the it, it, in a good, if this would be good, if FanDuel ends the year with a 62% win rate, I'd be ecstatic. 62% win rate. DraftKings, maybe, maybe it ends with a 57% win rate. So it's like, okay, profitable, but not great. Maybe Yahoo does the same thing. Like that, that's realistic. 68% win rates are not realistic. This is not sustainable over the course of a, a course of a lifetime. Short-term variance. So 48 slates, yeah. 48 slates is still short-term. Okay, let's see. Go through the YouTube chat for a little bit that I yelled about cash games. <sighs> let's see. On podcast people, I know I, I, I always talk and read the questions out because you could listen to this later on the podcast feed. Roto-Grinders DFS pregame show. So you could subscribe to that in your podcast player, your, your, your app of choice, iTunes, and go and go and rate and review it there. Let's see. People are talking about poker in the YouTube chat because Alex Santi is here. Let's see. Jamal Farouki. Very, very, makes a very good point. Is DFS really just portfolio theory, which is financial theory, finding the lineups 
or portfolios that maximize the sharp ratio, the expected return versus risk? Yes, that's literally exactly what it is. That, that lineup's not players, portfolio. I mean, you're building portfolios with a certain amount of risk and the weighting of the risk based on the, the projections of the players. It's exactly the same thing. Not exactly, but it's, it's virtually the same thing. It's financial theory. It's probability theory. It's game theory. It's all in one. That's all it is. That's all this is. Just so happens to be the performance of sports players and games. But this, this you could play DFS stock market if you wanted. Oh, what stocks are going to go up today and, and build your little portfolio and whoever has the best portfolio at the end of the day wins. I mean, it could be the same thing. Be in anything, any any type of one day anything. How many how many cantaloupes are in the supermarket? I mean, it could be that grocery store DFS. It's it's the same exact thing. Okay, so let, let's take a look a little about yesterday. I just wanted to show yesterday. Yesterday, if you played highly contrarian lineups, you probably did really well. So we take a look at the the large micro millions opener. 148,000 entries. You needed 370 to win. Compare that to the 888, which is a 597 entry contest. 335. Field size matters a lot. And we see yesterday that a lot of single bullets, a lot, I mean, because contrarian lineups won. I mean, heavily contrarian lineups, like lineups that are almost too contrarian, right? Because we got a lot, of, a lot of news yesterday that changed stuff with uh, Devin Booker, right? Chris Paul was ruled out. Drew Holiday, just poof, just not in the starting lineup. And it's, I, I guess he's not playing, right? That made Middleton a better play. But a lot of times by that, by the time the Bucks you knew about Drew Holiday, your small forward position was probably full, filled already. Or you would have rather played uh, Devin Booker and Middleton beat him anyway. I mean, like Fred. Look, look, I mean, look at look at look at these ownerships. I mean, the the problem came into the fact, like, if we take a look at the eight eighty eight, is that some of the chalk got there, but like for their price, like Bradley Beal at nine thousand got fifty five points. Devin Booker at seventy four hundred got fifty four points. DeAndre Ayton even got forty five. Demarcus Cousins was a bust for his price, sixty five percent owned, seventy one hundred. But the problem is that a lot of people. A lot of players got in that 50 range. All right, Deontay Murray at 62 points. I mean, that's why we could take a look at the the, the winning lineup up here. It's like, dude, you could have Porzingis, 2% owned. Drummond got 46, right? Baisley got 48 at 1% owned, right? We saw Fred Van Bleed in one of those lineups, right? And even on the cheap end, like LeBron, obviously, Shy got there. But even on the cheap end, like if you played one of the Rockets, you would have been better off playing Etuan Moore or Davis Bertans, Denzel Valentine, Sterling Brown, old Daniel House. Everyone in that range kind of hit like in the mid-20s, 20 to 25 points. Right, Jay Sean Tate at 23. Nawaba had 20. Like you, had, you, you could find value. You could have found like anyone in that range. So we take a look at like Osimo's lineup. Right, I mean, just... In these, because this is the 597 person contest, the 321 in, in this contest is like not even on the first, it's not even on the first screen. Like Deontay Murray, like you didn't even need LeBron. Like that that's how many lower owned players put up a decent score, a good ceiling score. You didn't even need LeBron's 74 points. I made a bunch of lineups like that. I made LeBron shy Gilgis Alexander lineups with Frank Kaminsky in there, you know, like use that as the value. So, I mean, I made a profit on, on GPPs. I mean, I was playing a single entry at three max, but I mean, if you won, you needed to score a lot and you can only have gotten these scores from guys that were single digit owned. I mean, take a look at the, the ownerships on, on these lineups, mostly single digit owned players, but that's also the main reason why we have, we don't have many like 150 maxers or no names that are really that high up, right? Nico 22, right? I mean, still, uh, yes, if you fade Cousins, you get a lot of leverage. I get it. But I mean, you also could have easily faded other people as well. 
Devin Book. If we knew about Devin the Chris Paul before Locke, I mean, we knew like 10 minutes after Locke, Devin Booker would have been like twice as old at 7,400, right? Aiton would have been twice as old. I think if you played Suns yesterday and you swapped, I said I, you gained a lot of equity. Because we see that all the time. I mean, yes, they were owned 24%, but I'm 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 telling you, they would he would have been 40%. If we had that news, Chris Paul was out at two in the afternoon. A lot, a lot different ownerships. Like Middleton is Middleton. It's whatever, whatever happens. Most likely once once you once once Drew was kind of ruled out because of COVID protocols, like you didn't really have anywhere to go. Right? Even if you did it before nine o'clock. Like he had to decide between Middleton or Devin Booker and Devin Booker would have still projected better. So don't beat yourself up over that. But we see here that the you know, contest, contest selection matters here. Obviously this is a $4 contest and this is an $888 contest. But still like the top line up here that won $100,000 for 335 points is not even on this screen. 335 points in this in this contest. Look, I I still have to go further. 335 would have paid off of four dollars. 335 still going. 50 bucks. That's the difference. There's this these lineups over here. Three here. Let's take a look at uh, let's take a look at a hub row over here. Right, it made sense. Like Valentine's in here. Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and then still some low in place, right? Murray, Johnson, Baisley, Aiton, each one more, right? I mean, I get this lineup. This lineup, this lineup absolutely makes sense. Just that, like, Bradley Beal was unnecessary. Yeah, he put up 55, but other people did also. Devin Booker put up 55, but other people did also. So even though the, some of the chalk did get there, tons of other players did. And you could have had a, a mess of different types of players. So we they could take a look at uh, Anil, his lineups, right? Jared Allen, because he he started, right? Didn't start over Drummond, but started with Drummond. So it still built leverage into the lineup, but like, yeah, normally in most slates, Deontay Murray's 5% on 62 points would be enough for this lineup to come close to winning, but not when... <laughs> Not, not when we have multiple guys. We have multiple single-digit-owned guys that are putting up 45, 50, 50-plus 50 points. So there are multiple paths yesterday to winning. Oh, we got Sylvester in here. He's in our he's in our uh, Roto-Grinders premium Discord. Here, Murray, DeRozan, Waba. I mean, right, some single-digit. Murray was single-digit. Still had Chalk Bradley Beal. Still had Chalky Booker, right? He played Nwaba instead of the uh, like Sterling Brown, like the Rockets cheap guys, but even Nawaba was 15% owned. That was that was that much of a pivot. He paid down at center for Boucher instead of playing Cousins. Okay, that's doable. There were a lot of roads in this large field contest. There are a lot of roads to get there. But if you take a look, because you know, because there were a lot of roads. And it contained multiple single-digit owned players. Like most, like most sharp players aren't playing lineups that are this. Even in a hundred and forty-eight thousand entry contest, these lineups are just like they're they're still like very very contrarian. You didn't need all of you need all of them. You need all of them. Just managed to hit all of them. That's why like Sadoransky's sitting there. Like what is he doing there? Uh, well, what's the when you outperform all the rest of your lineup by having Middleton, Porzingis, Fred Van Vliet, Baisley. I mean, look, 2%, 3%, 3%, 8%. Even Di he put up 7X, right? Who cares? Then Sadoransky's just raw points. Who cares? Yeah, doesn't matter, right? Doesn't matter at that point. I think these lineups are a little over leveraged, even for 148,000 entry contest, but they can get there, right? There are outcomes where this, this this happens. I would rather, if, if you're going to learn anything, I'd rather you be on this side than on the, I'm going to play a chalky cash lineup into 
148,000 entry GPP. Okay. So just by pure suggestion, I'd rat if you're going to make a mistake, make it because you're playing a, like a very contrarian lineup than like too chalky of a lineup in a contest this size. Cause that's the biggest edge in DFS people that are playing cash lineups, essentially lineups with very little win equity in contests that are a fucking 148,000 entries. It's just, you're throwing your money away. You know I mean, what's the best you could do? Min cash, 2X. Like in the long term, you, you, you're throwing your money away. You can have a ne- negative ROI on that. So if anything, play, play contrarian in these types of contests. Lean more towards that, knowing you're going to lose 90% of the time, okay? Put that little st- post-it on your, on your computer. Tattoo it on your forehead and look in the mirror if you want. You're going to lose over 90% of the time in GPPs. If you're playing well, you're going to lose. So if you lose, don't act like it's a big deal. You're going to lose nine out of 10 times. And you want the one time that you win to not be a min cash, to be a lot of money. I could say this a million times that people still don't do it. Good for me. If you're in my contest, thank you. Looking through the YouTube chat, some more, some more. Hit that thumbs up button. Give me the thummy thumbs. I got the mango juice, the mango, the apple, the apple mango. It says apple mango. It doesn't, really doesn't. Go buy this. It's Mott's. Mott's apple mango. Go, go test it out for me. Maybe it's my taste buds. Tastes like mango juice. I, I, I've had mango. I have mango juice. I get the mango smoothies. Like Bolt House Farms, they have the, the mango smoothie. It tastes like that. I mean, not as a smoothie, but it tastes like a mango. You go get it. You tell me. You tell me if it tastes like apple juice. It doesn't. Let's see. Uh, let's see through here. Uh, Randy Hendricks says, yo, Blender got 536 place in the 888. Been getting crushed lately. Wondering if you gave my lineup some constructive criticism. Don't mind my lineup being up on the screen. I don't think I could see this. I don't think we we could, we have that. It's anonymized, like past the payout spots. Like, I don't even think I can. It'll just say anonymous. What was your score? I don't even know if I could find it. You came in 538. Okay. So I guess I could find that. 536. Let's see. Let's see Randy's lineup. Okay, no, we can't even see. I can't even, no, sorry. It's too low. Right? No, can't see it. It was that bad. What did you do that that was that bad? Uh, such a contrarian stuff won yesterday. Like, how did you play that bad? <laughs> and unless you just won contrarian in an absolutely different way. I guess maybe you played Luca. You did some, something like that with Luca. Luca didn't get there. I could, I could see, yeah. yeah if you, Luca, Luca, I mean, Luca wasn't that contrarian. I mean, Luca was probably like 15% or something. 18%, so yeah, so that's on a, what, eight-game slate? I guess, I don't know. I don't know, I'm sorry. I, I, can't, I can't find the lineup. Corey Allen says, I know DraftKings is a better platform. No, that's in the eye of the holder. It's not better. I play both, but does this apply to FanDuel? And do you play on FanDuel? Yes, I play on FanDuel. This does apply to FanDuel. The, the problem is, is that on FanDuel, they don't have publicly downloadable CSVs of the contests. So like Results DB, what we have here on Roto-Grinders, what you, could get, you could go for free. You don't even need a premium membership. Go to rotogrinders.com slash Results DB. DraftKings does have those CSVs. So we could just ingest them and do all of this and show all these screens and look at ownership and do all of this on DraftKings, but you can't on FanDuel. So that being that we're discussing strategy, we're reviewing yesterday's slate. Obviously, I'm going to do it in the, the span of, of DraftKings because we do have this tool for FanDuel that we don't. So it's kind of hard for me to go over exposures and who won this and whatever when we don't get that information from DraftKings. Greg R said, yeah, Greg R, good question. Oh, I wanted to bring this up. Did RG always do small state, small slate projected ownership, or is that a new thing? 
Looked like they had it for the turbo slates and night slate yesterday. Yes, now we're doing it, right? Jamino, Jamino introduced that, I think, yes, yeah, yesterday. We're doing ownership for all slates now. We used to just have ownership for the main slate, right? Whatever the main slate was, that was the ownership and we're done, right? Now Jamino is the hamsters. We got some new hamsters here, I guess. We got some new hamster wheels. We got some new hamsters. So, so there, there is ownership for the late slate, for the turbo slates and things like that. So sign up to Roto Grinders Premium. Hit the link in the description below or in the podcast description, wherever. Get $10 off your first month. So that that's new here. Also, another thing that's new uh, in Lineup HQ is you can now rename your builds. So like I generated 20 lineups. Now you could click on this and you could call it you know, whatever you want. I mean, you could even call it like what time it is. 11 a.m. There you go, right? I could build 20, right? I could rename and go 11.30 a.m., right? Stuff like this, right? You could have multiple builds across here and you could rename any of them. I, I maybe, maybe it would be better if the rename was underneath so we could get it all in a line but I'll, I'll talk to the lineup HQ team with that. It seems weird because sometimes you could have like, like 12 builds. I guess some people have less builds than me, but sometimes I could have 12 builds across the screen. And I think maybe the rename should be better over there. I'm just criticizing the UI, the UI in the middle of a show, but whatever. But you could do that now. So I could rename this. I could rename this to the, 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 the Noola Depot, right? Build. Or something like that. Or like if you if you X'd out a guy and you're like, it's like, oh, this one's with no wall, right? Or something like that. No Vooch. Right? If we ran lineups with Vooch, and you go, those are my no no Vucevic builds. Right? These are these are my Vucevic builds. Vooch. You could just put Vooch there, right? Do something like that. Makes it easier. Right? The same way that you can you can name player groups, right? You could do the same thing. You can rename a player group. You can do you could do that now on lineup HQ, right? And also put put the tutorial videos a little closer, right? Most people didn't realize. You click on the, the little question mark, and you get all the tutorial videos for lineup HQ. So some of the most the frequently asked questions about reserving entries, uploading lineups, editing entries, everything. We have little toolbars here, little little things like that explain things a little bit better. So that's some new features in lineup HQ. They're, they're going to be coming out like every, every week or so. I'm, 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 I'm along with, the, I do some uh, QA with the, uh, with the lineup HQ team, with the developers. So I, I know what's in the pipeline, right? Stuff is going to be coming out. Just wanted to, to highlight that for, for you guys. Let's see. Going through the YouTube chat. Let's see. Shane Dowdy says, I think the biggest part I struggle with is trying to build lineups with enough leverage that still project well and don't give up too much of a medium projection. Well, you're describing exactly what... Oh, you, I, I think the biggest part I struggle with is playing GPPs. Like, that's exactly what you do. Trying to build lineups with enough leverage that, that don't give up a, as much medium projection for the, con, for the contest size that you're playing. Obviously, the micro millions, 148,000 entries... You probably, you could give up tons, tons of median, right? You could give up, I'm going to fade this guy. I'm going to fade that guy. I'm going to give up whatever, right? Still have a high, high smash percentages, low probability, but you're getting so much relative value by having so much lower ownership. Now in the smaller field contest, you don't need, you don't, you don't need, you don't need that. So it really depends on your contest size, but that's why you care about lineups and not players. You're looking for lineups. And sometimes that sometimes the best lineups, the best from an EV perspective for large field GPPs include players that you would never consider playing. You just go, okay, I guess that guy fits. Like, and that that's just what it is. <laughs> if and and the projections are the are your starting point. Like everything's done for you, basketball-wise. Now it's just, well, I can't play this guy because he sucks. Well, he's projected for 19 points and he fits in this lineup that has enough leverage and 
median and what so just just play it yeah but that guy sucks well then 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 turn his projection down from 19 to zero then okay but do you trust the projection model yeah okay then it's his median's 19 his ceiling's 31 his floor is nine who cares what the player's name is anymore does it fit in that lineup that thirty six hundred dollar player yes okay then the then the whole lineup makes sense play it but i don't want to play that stop fighting with me uh donnie watson says qq knowing it's really early but vooch seems to be the chalky center tonight do you think recency bias on cousins could be a good gpp pivot and fade vooch you could you could make you can make lineups with cousins that project well as well as as Vooch. Doesn't matter. Yes. Any is he a good GPP pivot? Any center would be. Are you fading Vooch in a lineup? Right? Let's do that. People get so caught up on players when it has nothing to do with players. It has to do with lineups. Okay? So we're gonna build 20 lineups with Vooch in. Okay, we had it before. There you go. This would theoretically be the optimal 282.95. We have no ownership to compare it to, but there we go. We have a projection. So let's take Vooch out. Build 20 lineups. Okay, 278. So you're sacrificing four points in meeting, which ain't bad for large field GPP at all. So here you go. It has cousins in it. There's a lot of a lot of rockets in it. It has cousins in it. This one has Gobert in it. This one has cousins and Gobert. This one has cousins and Frank Mason. It says cut, you know, you have cousins, right? 278, 277, 277, 277, 276. So you're sacrificing about four points, right? 281, you're not even. I mean, this one's 282, but now you're getting down to 281, 281. You're about, about down to 280 by some point, yeah. Right, Two, 277, right? So you can, you can. Does it have to be? Does that have to be Cousins? Let's see. Take out Cousins. Build 20 lineups. Let's see. Okay. Now we're at 277, but we got Gobert and Oubre. We got Gobert. Gobert, 276. Gobert. Gobert. It's a little more Gobert. 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 Is there anything, any other center? Willie Hernan Gomez. <laughs> 275 with Gobert. Right? Still, still a lot of Gobert. Let's say we get rid of Gobert. Okay, let's okay. I don't want Gobert. All right, it's 100%. Right. There we get rid of Gobert. We run this. Okay, 275. Blake Griffin in the center spot. Draymond Green in the center spot. Rashawn Holmes in the center spot. Right? But these are down to 275. So we're only still giving up like seven points in median. These these liners will probably be much lower owned. I don't I don't I don't know what the ownership is. So for large field GPPs, they would, these would be absolutely viable. But it's not a matter, do you play Cousins over Vooch? It's like, no, well, Vooch gives you the leverage because Vooch will be popular, be chalky at the center spot. How do I make different lineups that don't contain Vooch that still project decently well? Well, here we go. There you go. Could it be Cousins in the center spot? Sure. Could it be Blake Griffin in the center spot? According to our projections, it could be. Take a look at centers. Could it be Rashawn Holmes? Sure, I guess so. Could it be Draymond Green? Yeah. We could go, we could keep on going from there. So, like, I'm looking at the lineups. I'm not looking at the players. That's the way that you want to find leverage in the center spot. Then all it is is not playing Vooch. What lineups do not have Vooch in it still project well, well enough for the contest that you're in and are lower owned? And there you go. Well, I don't want to play Dwayne Bacon. Well, then choose not to play him. But according to the projections, he's in this lineup. So I'm just looking at lineups. I do this every morning. This is what I mean by saying the same thing to the same people a million times. Can you do it? Of course you can. You could build, look how many lineups we could build. Look how many different players are in these lineups. DeMar DeRozan, Cole Anthony, Terrence Ross. All within a range, they're all in 275 land, which is seven points off the optimal. You're you're fine. How many lineups could there be? 274 is down here. I mean, all these lineups would be fine. I mean, we don't I, compared to their ownership, 
which we don't have currently. These were all owned the same. If all these lineups were owned, projected the ownership sum was the same, what's the difference mathematically between these lineups? Play, play whichever ones you want. Right? Oh, well, I'm going to play Jimmy Butler lineup, and I'm going to play this. It doesn't matter. 275, 275, 275, 275, 275, 274.95. I mean, the differences of these lineups is this. They all contain different players. Not like completely different players, but I mean, look at our pool right here. Bacon, Grant, Murray, Brown, Irving, Butler, Wall. I mean, look, we're talking about like 20 players here. Yet a combination of all these 20 players equal about like the same lineup. Mathematically. This is doesn't take into account any type of negative correlation. Probably you may not, we may not want to play Grant and Griffin together, right? Caps to each other's upside, but I mean, and Griffin's only 5,000, but he's horrible. Well, I don't want to play Blake Griffin. Want... Either you trust the projections or you don't trust your projections. The mo that's what the model says. The model doesn't say play Blake Griffin. It's just the model says that Blake Griffin, 30 minutes, 27 point median, floor 12, ceiling 39. He's 5,000, and he's eligible at power forward and center. The name, they don't, the, the, the lineup HQ doesn't know about the name. The name doesn't matter. If you don't think this is good, oh God, I'll bump him down to 28. Okay, okay, that's fine. If you wanted to do that, if you project him for 30 minutes, this is this is what the model says. So are you going to use the numbers or are you going to use your bias by, I don't want to play Blake Griffin. I don't want to play Blake Griffin. I mean, I, I look at that and go, Really? Am I playing Blake Griffin? But if he fits in the lineups like that, then then you're playing Blake Griffin. Who else? Is, oh, I'm going to play a worse player at 5,000. That's projected worse. No. Let's see. Go through YouTube chat a little bit more. Got a couple of minutes left. Andrew Burton says is, is doing my second level strategy. You should start investing your winnings into DraftKings and FanDuel and become a stockholder in these companies. So when you lose on these contests, you will win because the stock will go up. Obviously I don't play high enough volume that, that no one plays a high enough volume that they're stuck. Oh my God, Jordan lost last night. Stock goes up 10%, right? But no, I, I, I actually, I do, I do have some money and then in draft, I do have drafting stock, but it's more for the sports betting stuff, right? Why, why, why bother betting on sports? I'll you bet on the sports, you lose, and then I'll ju I'll just own the companies, right? I'll just do that, right? I make more money that way. But yeah, it's to me, it's a hedge. Why not? Rob W says uh, asks, do the smaller late slates and turbo slates tend to be overlooked, or are those contests usually pretty sharp? It really depends on the night. Uh, most of the time I find uh, in the GPPs, I think I think you, you'll find in GPPs. I think cash games are mostly are mostly sharper players. I mean you can't you can find you can find weak players in the in the weird formats like tiers and 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 the showdown stuff. Like you you if you want to if you want to go and, and pick apart and try to find weak opponents, you can, especially if you're playing at a lower bankroll where it's worth it to do so. Uh, but a lot of times you'll find like the turbo slates and stuff outside of like, like the feature GPP. Like they, they have like an $8 contest. That's like, you know, 20,000 to first, like people, like that's just like any other GPP, but like the cash games and stuff, I find at least are like, you know, you get mostly regs, mostly regulars, but I guess you can, you can, you can find some head. You can, if, if you, if you want, if you want to be uh, vigilant, in, uh, in finding weak opponents, you, you can find them. Just depends on what size bankroll you have and what your allocation is. I'm playing 3,000 plus a night. Finding, you know, I can't, number one, I can't play the one to $3 games. So finding, a, oh, here's a $5 head to get head against someone that has no badge. Like in the grand scheme of things, like, am I going to spend the half an hour doing that? No. Main slate, I will. But for the turbos and stuff where it's like, what, well, what's the, oh, great. I got $40 of soft action. Great. In the grand scheme of, of my allocation, 
the time investment doesn't make sense. Let's see. Going through the YouTube chat. Uh, now people are asking if I could look at their lineup. So I, I try not to do that on these shows because then everyone wants to, right? We have a policy in our premium Discord that you can't post your lineups, right? Because then everyone, then that's, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? What do you think of this? And there's already a thousand people in there as it is. So, so I'm sorry. Let's see. Eric Gilbert asks, I have five tickets to the $15 qualifier today. What's the best way to approach this since it's basically bink or bust? It's a winner take all. Play as risky lineups as you can, <laughs> right? I'd fade Vooch in that, right? Find the easiest places to get leverage. I think that's that's a better way of putting it. Is finding like the, the nuanced leverage points of like positions and constructions aren't as, as simple as finding where, where the main leverage is going to be. So you're on FanDuel, so I may be a little bit different. So I, I, I Boogie is probably the chalk center on FanDuel because he's still only 6K. But if, it, if this was DraftKings, like most likely Vooch is going to be chalk. I guess Wall may, I mean, Vooch and Wall, maybe chalk on, on, on DraftKings. So play a lineup with neither of them. Like, let's just say Wall is 25% owned and Vooch is 40% owned. Well, by playing neither of them, you're removing 65% of ownership from your lineups automatically. And at that point, you're probably good. Then play whoever you want at that point. Build the best lineups you can. If you just, that's the easiest way of doing it. Okay. Rather than, well, I could find lineups that have Vooch that have leverage. I could find lineups that have wall that have leverage, right. And get into these, like, like, oh, I could do this. I could do that. It's very close. It's like, no, if you X out Vooch and, and wall, most likely, I mean, obviously six hours from now, everything could have changed, right. This guy's out. Jimmy Butler's sitting. Damian Lillard is out. And I mean, we, we have no idea, but as of right now, that would be the easiest way. And of course, if Vooch and Wall smash, you're dead, right? And, and that's just that's the way it is. But if they fail, you've gained leverage over, you know, 60, 70% of the field. And you're looking to win first. It's like winner take all. So that's the easiest way to do it. So that's what I would suggest. Get, once you, to learn more about how to leverage your lineups, do it in the easiest ways you can first. And then find the nuanced ways. The easiest ways to just like who's going to be the who's going to be the chalkiest player, X. Like that's the easiest. Is it the best way? Not necessarily. Sometimes players project so well that if if Vooch was if let's say for instance if Vooch was mispriced at five thousand tonight, I'd probably not even ever X him because his his RG his, his RGV is going to be like <laughs> be like thirty five or something, right? At that point, you just lock him into, they don't even want that's That's the free square time, right? I guess he fails 2% of the time. Yes, I guess you could do that. But those would be the instances. So most likely lean more towards the, who's the chalk? Let me fade the chalk. In those types of scenarios where it's $15 and it, it's a thousand people and you, could, you have to come in first place. Uh, let's see. Alex Santi says Grant and Griffin has positive correlation per the RG correlation table. Yeah, of course they have positive correlation because one passes the ball to each other. That doesn't mean their ceilings are correlated. People use that RG correlation tool. No offense, it's worthless. It makes sense from a play-to-play -play basis, but you're not playing players. You're playing lineups. So I don't care that Kyrie Irving passes the ball to DeAndre Jordan. All I care about is when DeAndre, when if DeAndre Jordan has 50 points or whoever, or Jeff Green, whoever, does Kyrie Irving have 70? Because I need ceilings. Like that, the, the correlation tool doesn't, doesn't measure that. It measures correlation of points together from a median perspective. So obviously a guy that passes the ball a lot and a guy that shoots a lot are going to be correlated to one another. 
right? They're going to be highly correlated. But yes, Jeremy Grant is highly correlated to Blake Griffin. When Blake Griffin scores 25 points and Jeremy Grant scores 38 points, their points are very correlated to one another. But 25 and 38 doesn't win me a GPP, so I don't care. Who cares? Great. Jeremy Grant has eight points on Blake Griffin's three assists. What does that tell me? That does all, who cares? Blake Griffin put up 25 and Jeremy Grant put up 38. So who cares that they're all those, their points are more correlated in that extent. That doesn't matter. You care about ceilings. I'd rather Jeremy Grant give me 70 and Blake Griffin give me two and just have Jeremy Grant. So I need to know how correlated are their ceilings together for their price? How, how often do they put up 7X together? That's what you care about. So the correlation tool does not show you that. It just shows you the overlap in points. And most players' points don't overlap that much in basketball. Correlations are weak in basketball. So maybe Steph Curry and Kelly Oubre in a specific game, only eight or nine of their points overlap, right? For assists, right? Stuff like that. Eight or nine of their points. But I mean, you need Curry to put up 55 and Oubre to put up 40 or, you know, something like that. So out of, out of 95 total points, 16 are overlapped. So what does that matter? Who cares? Right? Where's the rest of it? I need to know the ceiling. So you shouldn't be measuring correlation on a play-by-play type of basis like that. Okay, any last questions before we get out of here? Let's see. John Moxley, who's not the real John Moxley, the wrestler. I hope, and maybe he is. Would you say that when a player performs better than his projection, usually it's because he got an unusual amount of unstable stats? I guess, but I mean, what do you mean by better than his projection? There's no such thing as better than his projection. His projection is his projection. I think what you mean to say is better than his median projection, but his projection is a range of outcomes. So Vooch puts up 69 points today. That's within one standard deviation. That would not be considered weird. If Vooch put up anywhere from 36 to 69 today, neither would be. Oh, 36. Oh my God, what a bust. No, that was within one standard deviation. Oh, he put up 69. Wow, he crushed. No, that's still within one standard deviation. You put up 88? Yes. Then I would agree with you. If he put up 12? Yes, I would agree with you. But that's what these ranges are. People really over, over or underestimate the variance of players. 36 to 69 is 33 points. And that's still within one standard deviation of his, proje- of his median. So Vooch puts up 36 points tonight. He didn't bust. He's within that fat range of his of his projection. And if he put up 69, he didn't smash. I mean, yes, he smashed for, for, for contest purposes, but that's well within one standard deviation of his range of outcomes. People look at these numbers in the middle and go, that's the that's the prediction. Vooch 53. If he puts up 48, up, ah, your projection's off. If he puts up 58, ah, your project, ah, he was too low. Like, dude. That's just the median outcome. That's just median. This this is not a prediction. These numbers are not predictions. This is the projection. 36 to 69. 36 to 70. 24 to 50. Here's a 28 to 55 for Donovan Mitchell. Oh, he put up 54 points. We had him projected for 41. No, median was 41. We didn't have, we had him projected for 28 to 55 within wonder standard deviation. You have to think probabilistically. These numbers aren't predictions. It's just, this is the middle number of a range of outcomes. That's all it is. That's all it is. Okay, folks. So we talked a little bit about today's slate, a little, right? We talked about yesterday's slate. I scolded people about playing cash games without diversification. You could do it if you want. Fine, do it, have fun. Do whatever way you want to do it. But I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to teach you. 
I'm just trying to teach you here. That's what I try to do every morning, every morning, weekday morning at 11 o'clock Eastern time. On your way out the door, hit the thumbs up button. Got to keep the cut. It's mango juice. I'm telling you, it's false advertising that they put the word Apple on this. I want someone out there for extra credit. Okay. I don't know what, I, I don't know what I'll give you. Right. Go out, buy Mott's Apple Mango. Taste it, and you you tell me that it's not just that there there's no apple. It's quite possible there's no apple juice in here whatsoever. I think it's false advertising. You tell me. Maybe maybe I I'm not picking it up. I don't have a discernible enough palate to pick up the apple. I pick up tons of mango, but the apple no. Don't this ain't apple juice. It's mango juice masquerading as apple juice. So keep it cold every morning for me. Hit those thumbs up, the thummy thumbs, and I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow on another edition of the DFS pregame show here on RotoGrinders.com.